Good morning, Cross Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah. Glad to see you guys here today. And uh, my name is Michael. For those of you that are visiting with us for the first time, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm not the lead pastor. Uh, pastor David, our lead pastor, is actually uh, on vacation this week. He's uh, somewhere between here and Colorado, I believe. And uh, so just pray for him as he's on his, uh, heading his, on his way back, I think, this week. And, uh, but also just uh, pray that he would continue to have just a great time and really have an opportunity to nurture his vitality. I think that's really important for all of us, uh, but especially for him as he leads us. And so um, uh, as we get started this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Um, and before we get there, I just want to share a couple of things uh, that are coming up in the life of our church. Uh, one, back to school. Amen. You guys excited about going back to school? I know uh, parents over the summer are really excited for their kids to go back to school. So, um, But I uh, just pray for teachers that are going back and or have already gone back maybe, but also for uh, students that are going back this week and next. And so uh, I know I have a uh, kindergartner for the first time going back. And so pretty... Uh, uh, I'm super excited about that. My wife is devastated, but uh, <laughs> so you know how that works. And so, uh, but it's going to be an uh, awesome, awesome school year. And so, just pray for that. Also, pray for our student ministry as they are out of town this weekend at uh, camp and uh, just having an amazing time. I want to share just a little bit more about that in just a minute. And uh, also, just wanted to share. You might have noticed it in the uh, uh, next steps, or excuse me, the um, in the no video. Uh, coming up in the spring, uh, we're going to have an opportunity as a church to, to go on a trip to Israel. If that's something you haven't done before, I strongly encourage It's an incredible opportunity. And, uh, and so we're going to have an um, uh, uh, Israel trip informational meeting coming up August 9th. Uh, we want to start early, kind of talking about it, promoting it. Uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit more expensive than the average trip, but it's going to be worth uh, all the time and energy. But there will also be some other things to go along with that. Uh, trip as well, and so it'll be really great. So if you guys want uh, more information about that, check out in the Next Steps area at our uh, kiosk there. We'll have more information about the uh, meeting and just about the trip as a whole. You can sign up and uh, get brochures and all that good stuff, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And so um, next week, we're going to be starting a series uh, going through the book of James. Um, for, the, for those of you that don't, don't know, you know, we just came out of a series and I don't know about you guys, but it was a life-changing experience for me, greater than, as we've been talking about, how God is greater than anything, uh, any struggle, any situation, any uh, personal issue that we may have. And so it's been really good. And so uh, next week, we're going into a study on James as we're talking about, uh, you know, what I like about James, he was the brother of Jesus. Uh, that had to be awkward. And, uh, and so, uh, but just in his, he has a very practical style of leadership and, and uh, really challenging us to... Uh, you know, a very practical book on faith and challenging us. I think it'll be very beneficial for us as a faith family. And so this week, uh, we're just going to take a little bit of time in between to really to look back at the last six months, uh, uh, you know, here at Crosspoint, even as the videos has kind of demonstrated um, for us, but, but also to look forward. And I think that's a really important time in the life of our church as we're getting ready to go into the fall and kind of getting back to school and back into the swing of things and things like that. But but even more so just to kind of look at, you know, what God has in store for us. And so this message is kind of a standalone message between these two big series uh, to look at that. But, you know, really it's just kind of to, to think about the idea that over the last six months, uh, even just in the last six months, there's been a tremendous amount of life change that has happened at Cross Point Church. I don't know if you guys think about that and that it happens. And maybe you, maybe you know, some of you guys are nodding your head. Yeah, because you are a recipient of that life change. You know, your life has been changed because of something that's happened to you here at Cross Point. Uh, maybe it's someone or something or the Spirit of God and all of 
moving in the midst of that. And, and uh, you know, as I began to kind of think about this and kind of think through this, um, this whole uh, message today, I, I went to our staff and our pastors and our staff and our leadership and even our volunteers and said, hey guys, share, just share a, a quick story with me of, of something, you know, uh, something that's happened in, in your ministry, a story of life change or something like that. And I was really kind of overwhelmed by the response of, of story after story after story after story of, of life change. We don't, I want to share some of these stories this morning because I think it's really important that we look back and see what God has done. I think it's important that we celebrate that. Uh, but the truth is, there's not enough time to share. Just in the last six months, I, I mean, think about it this way. In the last six months, we've had over 80 baptisms, people who have come to know Christ, who have committed themselves and followed in obedience to believers' baptism. Amen? And that's, that's incredible. And God, and, and, and you know, I think about uh, Celebrate Recovery. If you guys are, are new to, to Crosspoint, and, and even if you come to Crosspoint, you know, you know, sometimes we think of Celebrate Recovery as our addiction recovery ministry, but really it's so much more than that. It, it's, it's really about anybody that has habits, uh, hang-ups, and hurt. I said that backwards, but I said it all together. But, you know, this, this idea that, I mean, raise your hand if you have a, a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, okay? But, you know, the truth is we all struggle with things, and, and just to hear these stories, uh, they just kind of started rolling this uh, one lady, uh, young lady who's been coming to Crosspoint and coming to CR for the last couple of months, and and uh, struggles on a daily basis with anxiety and depression. And, 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 and if you struggle with anxiety and depression in a, in a real sense, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And even in our family, we kind of go through that. and We, we walk uh, down that path of anxiety and depression. And, and, uh, and it, the thing is, you know, as she's been coming to this, that you begin to see this noticeable change in her life and the life of uh, you know, just in, even, even things would happen like, you know, be a Monday afternoon and her tire would go flat and, you know, normally the response would probably be just to kind of, you know, go back and decline, crawl back into your hole, so to speak, you know, and, and, and but she didn't. She, she got up and she came, you know, and she, she came here and she found community and she continued to grow and develop and, and uh, you know, she's been a, a part of a church for uh, two years uh, but really, because of this anxiety and depression, couldn't just kind of build up the courage to take that next step and join and really become and partner with the church. And, but because of the encouragement, because of the, um, because of the blessing, because of the prayer and everything, that, and, and the, just the ministry that's happened to her at Celebrate Recovery, she's kind of developed that courage and, and finally just took that next step and joined the church and followed in her walk with Christ. Amen. That's an amazing story of life change. You know, uh, another story I want to share, it's, it really um, kind of comes from our college ministry and, and what's happening there. A, a young man who, um, he started attending uh, Crosspoint and started attending Crosspoint College Ministry when he was a freshman here at VSU. But in the, in the midst of uh, doing that, you know, he, he, he actually says, he, he said, I have a lifelong friends because of the leadership that poured into me through the point. That's our Thursday night college ministry and through college ministry. So why, why would I leave something that is so ripe for the harvest? You know, even as he and so many others are, are uh, seniors and are getting ready to graduate, you know, they're now joining the leadership team and serving on this team so they can really continue to grow this ministry and so that others can really come and be a part. The same, the same sort of uh, experience that he's had, he's built lifelong friendships and relationships, and he wants other people to have that. That's a huge uh, to me, a huge story of life change. Uh, another one, uh, if you guys know what our bumper bag ministry is, and 
For those of you who don't, actually, Bumper Bag is happening today, right? And uh, Bumper Bag is it's called Bumper Bag because we uh, collect canned goods and food and all sorts of things on the list. If you don't know what it is, go to the Next Steps area and check it out. But, um, but we take those uh, bags and we put them at our bumper. That's hence the name. And then uh, our team goes around, goes around and collects all that food and brings it together uh, so that we can uh, provide food for our community, for people that are in need in our community. You know, one of the things I really love the most about Bumper Bag is, uh, and, and there's a lot of uh, incredible uh, food pantries and, and think clothes closets in Valdosta, and we have kind of a network of all of those. And, and, um, but what I really love about the uh, bumper bag market is it's an opportunity. I think it's something that really kind of restores the dignity to those that are in need. You know, so often, and don't get me wrong, food pantries are an incredible opportunity to serve people, but so often we just give them a bag and, and send them on their way. But, but at Bumper Bag, you get to come in and you get to shop, so to speak. You get to pick out what you want, what's good for your family, what you know your kids will eat, what you know your kids won't eat. It's not just something, it just, to me, it just kind of restores identity. And it's not just that, but it's also the fact that we intentionally pray with each and every person, each and every family that comes through there, the relationships that are built there, the amount of people that are attending Cross Point now because they heard about Bumper Bag and, and, and now are a part of our faith family. And I don't know about you guys, but again, that's a huge story of life change. You guys know what Bubs is? Bubs Busted Up Bicycle Shop. For those of you that don't know, it's, it's a uh, ministry that we started uh, down on the south side of town. It's an opportunity for us to reach into our community, to, to, uh, to commit to people, and just uh, pour into and invest in their lives. And it's an amazing opportunity. We've seen so many stories of life change that's come out of that. Uh, one in particular that kind of comes to mind is a family that actually knew one of the volunteers because she taught their kids, you know. And uh, as a result, that four boys in this family, and as a result of that, as a result of coming, and uh, for those of you that don't know what Bubs is, Busted Up Bicycle Shop is a uh, picture, I, I kind of visualize a community center. I know that's kind of, you know, what our, kind of our intention is. And it's an opportunity for us to provide for young children, and, and they come in and uh, work on bicycles and things like that. That's a very prime, it's a, you know, a, for, a lot of us think that bicycles are just kind of a, you know, a fun thing to do to ride around our neighborhood. But some people in this community, that is their way of transportation. It's their way to jobs. It's their way to get to their families and other things. So it's a way for us to minister to people to help repair their bikes, teach them how to repair their bikes, teach them how to teach others to repair bikes. And in the midst of that, building relationships, spending time, Bible study together, prayer together, committing themselves to memorizing uh, memory verses. And as they do this, these the children and the adults that do this, they can earn their bikes, so to speak. And and just, uh, it's been an incredible. But this family that has come and started participating and, uh, you know, serving and learning through Bubs, but also have now started regularly attending Crosspoint because of that. You know, the uh, kids, the younger kids are going to DPK, the older kids uh, going to uh, youth events with Gabe and Nick, and even mom has been going to celebrate recovery. Amen? What an amazing story of life change. Speaking of Gabe and Nick and our family ministry and everything that's going on there, as I said, Pastor Gabe is is uh, gone this weekend with our student ministry, and uh, but he was just kind of sharing me again so many stories, but just uh, the the dozens of students that are at our uh, life groups and things like that that happen every week, and and I've seen the pictures of it, and just the, the fact that they are coming, committing themselves uh, to the teaching of the Word of God, to growing together, to connecting and growing, and and even the serving that's happened. You know, the heart's cry of Cross Point Student Ministry for a long, long time has been that they would be the church, you know, that not just that they would go to church, but that they would be the church. And, you know, the reality is sometimes we say to our students, we say, uh, you know, you are the future of the church. That's not the, that's not the case. They are the church now. 
you know, the mistake we make when we say the future of the church, that, mean, that means well, you're, not, you're not the church now. Come back when you're 30 with kids, when you're older, when you're more experienced, when you're smarter. But the truth is our students are old enough, smart enough, and good enough right now to be the church, and they are in so many ways. They're serving on a weekly basis here. Uh, you, we've got students serving right now in Discovery Point Kids and serving at the doors and greeting. We've got students that served at uh, Discovery Point Camp. For those of you that don't know that, that's our camp for uh, three-year-old through fifth grade, and we had over a hundred volunteers. Many of those were our middle school and high school students that served. And uh, speaking of um, uh, life change, at DP Camp, we had almost 300 kids this year and 10 salvations. Amen? So what an incredible... I'm not done. I've got a couple others. Uh, speaking of... Uh, uh, hundreds of people, hundreds of women have chosen to flourish this year as a result of the women's ministry at Cross Point Church. Amen? What an amazing opportunity. And yeah, and you know what's been so incredible about this? I, I, was, uh, I heard a story about a young lady who, you know, just as an incredibly busy mother and wife and nurse and, and all that sort of thing, was, had become very protective of her time because she had so little of it. And, and really in the process of becoming protective of her time, had become kind of a loner. You know, it just kind of separated herself from, from community, uh, from fellowship, from, you know, from being with other women. And, at, you know, as a result of just kind of inviting and inviting, she finally came. She says, I brought my tired self, you know. And she came, and she came here, and she discovered uh, two very important things. One, she discovered real women going through real problems, having real struggles, and she realized that she wasn't the only one that was going through these things, and there was uh, real people going through all these sorts of things. She discovered authenticity and community. But the other thing she discovers is that her identity is not just found in being a wife and a mother and a nurse. She, she discovered that her identity is found in being a daughter of the king. Man, what an amazing story of life change. And finally, yeah, you can, we can think, we can. And finally, this one right here, this, I think this is pretty powerful. Our equipment campus, um, for those of you that don't know, we have a uh, campus in our sister city. Equipment is about 20 minutes from here, and, and uh, church is just growing there. It's a young church, a small church, but a young man recently separated from the Air Force uh, going through some of the darkest times in his life. A man who, you know, really when he first came to the equipment campus was, uh, you know, just kind of a, a man who was defeated and uh, going through a really tough time. But over the last couple of months of visiting and, and being a part and being ministered to and, and being, getting plugged into that ministry over there, it, you, it's, it's just been amazing to see the transformation from this man who was defeated and overwhelmed by life and, and the things of life to this man who is now living the victorious life and, and delighting in his life, in his life with Christ. And, and not only that, this is the really amazing picture of that, is not only have we seen the change and he's seen the change, but his parents have seen the change in his life and now they are also coming and attending every single week, every single Sunday, they're there and ready for worship. I don't know about you guys, but these are some amazing stories of life change. And so as we go into Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 12 through 16. I kind of want that to be on our mind. I want to celebrate what God is doing, but I also want to look forward to the future. And so Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16, Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this, talking about the resurrection, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 15, he says, let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And then he goes on to say, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity to come into your house. We thank you for the amazing time of worship that we've had. Father, you are worthy of our praise and our honor, our adoration, and everything that we've brought you. You're worthy of more than. But Father, I pray that we have poured out our hearts to you this morning, that we have worshiped for an audience of one, that you have heard our cries, our cries of thanks, our cries of supplication, our cries of we need you. And Father, now as we come into this time and this place where we commit ourselves to your word, I pray that you would, that you would continue to hear our cry, that, that we would hear from you and that you would hear from us, that we would commune together. I pray that your spirit would be amongst us, that he would give us a supernatural understanding of your, of your word, that we would not just read the word this morning, that we would not even just hear the word, that we, we would be doers of the word. Father, I pray that this morning, Lord, that you would uh, just open our eyes and remind us of the calling, that upward calling of God in Christ Jesus that you have given us. Father, the never-ending call to move forward, to press on. And Father, we thank you and we love you for this time that we have this morning. We pray and ask all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. You know, as we uh, talk about it, it's just really kind of important to kind of understand where Paul is at as he's talk, talking to the Philippian uh, church. You know, um, we really understand that at this point he's been imprisoned. Uh, and he, he knows, he's been faced with his own mortality. He knows that at some point, this whole thing is going to get wrapped up. I mean, the truth is, he knows that no one lives forever, right? But, but he realizes that his time may be coming very soon. And I think, confronted with that, he has a few things to say to the Philippians, and I think he has a few things to say to us as well this morning. I think that's what's really important. And the first thing he wants to say to us, he's, he wants to tell us that we are not perfect, but we can live a life on purpose. I love the fact that Paul, this uh, great leader, Paul was uh, known by many as one of the greatest leaders in the, in the history of the church, uh, certainly uh, was an author of so many, uh, the majority of the books in the New Testament, and, and was a, a, a person who led many thousands and who knows how many millions of people have come to know Christ as a result of his endeavors and his work. And yet he comes to this place where he comes and tells us, even as a great of a leader as he was, he tells us that he's not perfect, that he hasn't got it all figured out, that there's still more to learn, there's still more to do. And, and I love that he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. In other words, I, I, you know, and, and here's the thing, I, this is kind of sometimes the opposite of me. You can ask my wife, you know, if you would, I tell her all the time, if you would just listen to me, Things would be better. You know, the implication here is that I'm perfect, that I've got it all figured out. And sometimes I do. No, I'm just kidding. I never do. You know, the reality is we don't have it all figured out. We are not perfect. And Paul recognizes that along with us. Uh, and, and this is the thing. So often we take that statement, I am not perfect. We take that statement, we use it as an excuse you know, the reality is for so many of us, myself included, we, you know, we use this, uh, we say, well, I'm not perfect, so insert the sin you're about to commit right here. You know, I'll ask for, 
forgiveness later. I heard that this morning. It was a joke, but we do it, right? You know, we use this excuse of, I am not perfect, as some sort of rationalization or justification for us to go on living in sin. But Paul understands here that this this statement, I am not perfect, is not an excuse. It's a fact. We are not perfect, but it can never be used as an excuse. And I love he goes on to say, uh, in, in Romans, he, he addressed this. He said, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. You know, there's this idea, Paul is talking to the Romans and he's kind of sharing the amazing grace of God. He's sharing the, the powerful grace of God, how it can overcome anything in our lives, how it can overcome any sin. You know, so often we fall into this trap and, and I hear this over and over again. Well, you don't know me, Michael. You don't know the things that I've done. The things that I've done, I, God, he, he, won't, he won't love me. He won't accept me. But Paul says, no. God's grace is so much bigger than that. God's grace is so much greater than that. The truth is, if it isn't, if it wasn't, then he wouldn't be God. What would be the point? The point is his grace is so much greater. But then the inevitable question comes up, well, if God's grace is greater than my sin, then I can just continue to sin because his grace will cover it. His grace will abound. And so he asked this question here. He says, so should we sin so that grace may continue to abound in the strongest way possible in the original language here? He says, by no means. We cannot use our imperfection as an excuse. It's a reality for all of us, but it cannot be an excuse. I love he goes on to say, I press on to make it my own. I love this. His relationship with Christ that he's talking about. He says, I press on to make it my own. You know, so often for, for many of us, and, and sometimes it just happens on certain days, but some of us, it's just a life we live that, that you know, the thing we do here at church and, and being a part and coming and coming on a Sunday morning, that's just a thing that we do. It's just lip service. It's not ownership of our relationship with Christ. It's not just one small part of multiple elements of knowing and, and following after Christ all throughout the week. So many of us, we come here, we take a deep breath of worship and a deep breath of hearing the word, and we try to hold our breath all the way throughout the week, all the way to the next Sunday. Let me just tell you guys, I can hold my breath for about a minute and 10 seconds, like on a good day, right? If I like do the whole hyperventilate thing. I cannot hold my breath for seven days. The idea that you can come here and be filled up and then take a deep breath and then hold your breath till the next Sunday till you're filled up again is preposterous. We have to live, we have to make this relationship with Christ our own. It has to be something that we live out daily, day in and day out, hour by hour, minute by minute. I can't even hold my breath for just over a minute. So it can't even be hour by hour. Our relationship with Christ, we have to make it our own. Not just this thing that the church does, that we kind of come in, duck in and find a seat and warm that seat week in and week out. But it has to be a relationship with Christ. It has to be something that we live out in our actions. It has to be something that we do. And here's the question. The question is why? Why do we have to make it our own? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You know what Christ Jesus did to make me his own? He came here and he died on a cross. He died the death of a, of a sinner. He died as an innocent person. He died a death for me and for you, for us, 
so that we could be made right. He gave his life so that he could make us his own. He sacrificed for us. He gave of his time. And not only did he give his life, he, he, did he die for us, he also gave his life for us. He, he left all of heaven and all of earth. I mean, you think about it for just a second whenever I think about this idea that Jesus Christ, who sits on the highest throne in all of heaven, and he would leave that and come down here so that he could know us in a personal way, so that he could own us, and eventually that he would give his life, that he would give us his spirit so that we could know him on a daily, personal basis. He would do all these things for us. It's, it's kind of like me becoming a flea so that I could lead other fleas away from the, the bug bomb that inevitably is coming. It's a crazy thought, but that is what he did for us. He made us his own. And here's the thing. Sometimes we make much of Jesus and his gift upon the cross for us because we think, man, Jesus, he died for the whole world. He died for billions of people. But the truth is, if I, Michael, were the only person alive on the planet and the only person that had ever lived, Jesus still would have came and died on the cross just for me. He made me his own. He made you his own. It's time that we make that gift our own. Not the churches, not the universal church, me and you. Second thing we see here is we must leave our past. In the past, look with me here in verse 13. It says, brothers, I love this. I love that word, brothers. You know, here's the thing. Every time I read that word, especially from Paul, I really believe him. I really believe that he is addressing people that he may or may not know, but he is addressing them with all the personal conviction of a brother in Christ, of a sister in Christ, of people that he knows and loves like a brother. And so he's speaking to us here with the greatest intention. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You know, he paints this picture of just reaching out of this, of this never-ending opportunity to reach out and taking advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, many times we read this passage and we think about as individuals, the, the, what we need to do is we need to take the sins of our past and we need to leave them behind and we need to stretch forward and reach forward for what God has for us in the future. And that's true. There's no question that we have to do that. But as a corporate body, as a body of believers, as Crosspoint Church, as the people that make up Cross Point Church, we also have to corporately, we kind of have to look back and we have to say, the things that are behind us, the things that we've done, even as we've examined, even as we have celebrated the things that God has done in the life of our church, and we look back just over the last six months and see the stories of life change, it can't just end there. We can't just rest on our laurels. We can't just, the thing is, if all we're going to do is look back on our past and celebrate our past, then we need to do what Paul is saying here. We need to forget it. We need to forget what lies behind, and we need to strain for what lies ahead. Now, here's the truth. I think that we can do both. I think that we can remember. We can look back on the past. As a matter of fact, for me, I use that as an opportunity to recharge my battery, to look back just a few days in my life, in the life of the Buffalo family, Team Buff, you know, to see what, what God is doing in my life. And I use that as an opportunity to charge my battery and to continue to strive forward. I'm so encouraged by what he is doing. And I know that what he's saying is, that's just the, that's just the beginning. I have so much in, more for store, in store for you. 
You know, so many of us, as uh, when we moved into this building, this, this happened for a, a lot of us. You know, there was this, this great big, uh, many of you guys may not have been here, but in that eight months that it took to renovate this place and to kind of get it ready and, and all of that, it was a whirlwind of just God's blessings in so many ways. Again, we can't even begin to discuss all the different ways that lives were changed. And, and then we kind of moved in here, and, and some of us just kind of said, okay, and we just kind of put it in neutral because this is it. We're here. What we have to understand is what we know, what we know is this is not it. This is not the end. We must believe that this is only the beginning. Here's the thing. We're about to do it again in the next couple of months. We're going to be moving into a new facility, and we're going to see even more life change. We're going to see even more people coming to know Christ. But the, the temptation for us when we move into that new building is to go, we're here. Now I can put it on coast. I can put it on cruise. We cannot do that. We must continue to strain forward and to strive forward. <clears throat> Finally, we must reach ahead. It says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You know, when I lived in uh, my dad's Air Force, a retired Air Force, and we uh, lived in England for a couple of years, two or three years, and there was this time we lived there, we went, it was, it was great, it was one of the coolest times of my life, and got to see the world, so to speak, and go all over Europe and this and that and the other. But in the midst of doing that, every single weekend, man, we were out. I think we saw every single castle in England. And if you've ever been there, you know that's a lot of castles. And, and we saw every single church. You think churches are on every corner here? They're everywhere in England. And here's the thing, though. These churches, a lot of them, they're huge. And they are beautiful. And they are empty. They are artifacts of a bygone era. They are, they are celebrated as these beautiful places. Uh, essentially, they're really museums. They're a look back at the past and the rich history of a country that was once committed fully to the way of God and following after God and pursuing God. And it's, it's in this place that we began to see that we would come on a Sunday, on a weekend, and we're out traveling and we're seeing the sights and this and that and the other. And you go in and you think the church would be happening on a Sunday, right? But it's not. It's a museum. We're the mausoleum. Here's the thing, if we, don't if we don't strive to reach ahead, to move ahead, if we don't give everything that we have as a church, as Crosspoint Church, we could become just like that. If we become so focused on what God has done, instead of looking forward at what God is doing and what God will do, and finding out how we fit into that big picture, we could end up just like that. The truth is, it only takes a generation. It doesn't take... 600 years. Countries, uh, cities all around this country, Boston is a great example. Uh, Pastor David shared, you know, uh, not too long ago about his trip to Boston and, you know, understanding that the first and second Great Awakening, two of the greatest revivals of all time, much less in this country, experienced in Boston. And yet now, 80% or better of that city and that community are lost and do not know Jesus. 
in just the space of less than two generations. Not only did they have one great awakening, they had a second one. It can happen. It can happen to us if we don't continue to reach ahead, to move forward, to, to strive. And, and I love this. If you read on in verse uh, 15 here, it, it, it's kind of subtle, but you see this shift, right? Verses 12 through 14, he, he, he's saying, I, you know, I press on towards the goal. I, have not, I am not perfect, but I'm striving. I make it my own, right? But then here we see this shift in verse 15. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying something very similar to that I say to my boys. He said, I, I say to my boys sometimes, if you think you're going to do that, I got another story coming for you, brother. I correct them. It usually comes in the form of a warning and then a punishment. That's what he's saying right here. But then he goes on again in verse 16. and says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Why? Paul is talking, he's, he's, he's referring and he's sharing with his brothers and sisters in these Christ and he's saying, I am not perfect. I have not attained it. I've not attained the resurrection, but I'm making my own and I'm striving for and I'm forgetting what lies behind. And then he goes and he changes and he says, and let us, let us think this way. Not just the mature, but even the, the immature. Not just those of us who are grown and have spent time in our walk with Christ, but those of us who are, who are young and, and need that correction from time to time. Let us strive. Here's the thing, the, what, I, what I've come to realize, especially at my time at Crosspoint Church, is in order for me, in order for Michael to grow in my relationship with Christ in order for me to continue to become what God has called me to, to continue to strive ahead and reach ahead and to realize that I'm not perfect and to realize that I don't have it all down to forget what lies behind and reach for what lies ahead. I cannot do that on my own. I must have you guys to remind me that I'm not perfect, to remind me that I should forget my past, to follow with me and strive with me to reach forward. We have to do it together. We are better together. God has made us for community, and the truth is we have to do that. We have to come together. If we don't reach forward and reach ahead together, we're just not going to find our way there. So we come to this important place in the message for me. I have to ask this very important question. Anybody want to guess what it is? So what? That's right. If you're visiting with us for the first time, or maybe you've never heard me speak before, this is something I don't ask as some sort of campy, tricky thing. I think it's just it's something I genuinely do in my own life and in my own heart. I, I read this passage, and, and God reveals to me, yeah, I am not perfect, but I can live a life of purpose. I need to forget what lies behind and strain for what lies ahead. I must reach ahead. So what? I don't mean that in some sort of irreverent way, but I mean it in this way. What does that mean for me? So what does that mean for me? How should I live? You know, if you guys can help me out for just a second, I have a little uh, exercise I'd like to take part in. And just take out a piece of paper or maybe a little note tab on your uh, phone or tablet or whatever, you know, you have. Grab a little pen out of the seat in front of your, seat in front of you. And I want you to write down three things for me. Three, three things Stories of life change that have happened in your life. 
Here's the thing. We just talked about all these stories. We celebrated these stories. And the truth is, there's not enough time to share all of them. If I asked you guys to pass in those three things, but think about it for just a moment. Think about the things that have changed your life this year. Maybe a brand new baby. Maybe you met the love of your life. Maybe you started a brand new job. That's awesome. Maybe you rededicated your life to Christ. Something that's happened in just the last six months. Three things. You guys got it? If you'll just pass it down. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Here's the reality. Think of it. Let me ask you this question. Now think about those things, those three things. Maybe you didn't write them down. Maybe you're just thinking about these things. But how many of these things, these life-changing events that have happened in your life in just the last... Three, uh, three to six months, how many of these things are things that you planned? Probably very little of them, right? Maybe you could say, well, I, I planned to have a baby. You know, we knew we were going to have a baby. And then your baby comes six weeks early. Life-changing event. Unplanned. The reality is most of the life-changing things that happen in our lives, we can't plan for. They just happen. Maybe one of those three things that you listed was a bad life-changing event. Maybe you broke up with somebody. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a child. We can't plan for life-changing events to happen in our lives. Let me ask you another question. If I were to ask you a question... If, if you knew, not just looking back at the last six months, but looking forward to the next six months, if you knew in the next six months that you were going to die, write down three things that you might do. Three things maybe that you would change or do differently. You know, it's kind of interesting when we're confronted with our own mortality, our perspective begins to change. You know, when I, when I thought of this question, I asked myself, okay, if I knew that I was not going to be here in the next six months, what would I do? I'd spend more time with my family. How many of you guys thought that? Amen. I would make sure that I was right with anybody that I was wrong with as much as I'm able. I would make sure that my family is taken care of after I'm gone. Paul in Philippians, he's confronted with his own mortality. He's facing death. In just one verse or one chapter four in Philippians one, verses 20 and 22, he says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether in life or in death. In other words, he says, I know it's coming and no matter what, in life or in death, Christ will not be ashamed of me. I'm going to live my life He goes on to say, for me to live is Christ 
and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. You know what's so convicting about hearing that passage and thinking about my three choices? Which one of those three choices that I said has any impact on the eternal kingdom of God? If I knew that I were gonna die in the next six months and I were gonna do three things, which one of those things really says, I wanna make sure that the kingdom of God continues. I wanna grow. You know what Paul is saying here? He says, I know that my time is short and I know that in the time that I have to live as Christ But to die is gain, he says, but if I'm going to live for the short time that I have, then it's going to be fruitful labor. Now, that doesn't make you a bad person for saying you want to spend more time with your family. What it does do is it places into perspective for us how often we are not making it our own. We are not living this life on purpose. We are not living it with the purpose that God has called us to, the call of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're living it for ourselves. We're living it for our family. We're living it for all these other things, for the jobs. But at the end of the day, those things are not eternal. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus is eternal. It's okay to spend more time with your family. But we need to be moving together as a faith family in Christ, striving together. We need to set perspective and priorities in place that says, if I knew that I wasn't going to be here, then the last few months of my life, I'm going to be giving everything to the kingdom. So I changed those priorities to something more like this. I'm going to spend more time with my family and make sure that my boys know as much as they can about Jesus so that one day they can follow after Christ, so that one day I can see them again. This is the life that we have to live. So you guys are kind of wondering, where's the so what? Here's the so what, you guys. Read with me. Go back to Philippians 2. The next two verses. Verses 17 and 18. Here it is again, brothers. Join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. In verse 18, it says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears in my eyes, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Here's the so what, you guys. As many life stories and stories of life change that we have experienced over the last six months, the hundreds, maybe thousands of stories of life change that we ex- experienced over the last 10 years of the life of this church, as many of the stories of life change over the last 2,000 years since Christ first established his church and said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As many as that has happened, Paul is making us and he's reminding us that there are still so many that do not know Jesus. There are still so many that are far from God. There are still so many that are enemies of the cross of Christ. And we have a responsibility to reach for them. Not only do we have a responsibility to strive in our relationship with Christ, but we have a responsibility to grab as many people as we can and take them with us. 
I've heard the illustration before that, you know, the, the, the wide is the gate and narrow, narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. It's this picture of the wide road, you know, the highway of people that are walking away from God. And, and then there's this picture of this little path of this doorway that's found and only a few find it. But I, I don't think it works that way. I think it works more like this. I think the wide is that highway that goes and it's not this little meandering small path that leads off to the side. Here's the wide path and everyone is going to hell in a handbasket, quite literally, but I think the narrow path is the path that leads right down the middle of that wide road, but it leads in the other direction. And we have a responsibility to swim upstream, to grab people as we are going, to reach. That's the so what. Many of you in here are benefactors of the blessings of this church, of the mighty movement of God that is happening here. Many of you have been blessed and encouraged and prayed for, and you've experienced life change. And maybe that's one of those three things that you wrote on there was, I got married just the other day. What a blessing to be married in my own church, in my own. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Life change. We are benefactors of these blessings. Why do we not want these for others? You know how good it feels for you to sit in a life group or in a small group or in a discipleship group or a community group and to be loved on and cared for and for someone to put their arm around you and pray for you to encourage you in the midst of anxiety and depression to grow. You know it. You've seen the growth. You've seen it. you felt it. Why don't you want that for others? That's the so what. God is not through with us yet. Not by a long shot. The new building is not it. It's just the beginning. Whatever happens after that, it's not it. It's just the beginning. So, in the next few moments, we're going to pray and the band's going to come up and lead us in one last song. And I, I really hope that this will be an opportunity for us. I think there's, there's uh, different types of people in this room. Maybe, maybe you're in this room and you're hearing and, and, and you're convicted. Maybe you're one of those ones who have just been sneaking in the back door and and warming a seat and you've been taking a deep breath and you've been trying to hold your breath for seven days until you make it back here. Here's what I don't want to say to you. I don't want to say to you, shame on you. (laughs) I used to be one of those people too. That's the thing when we read here Ephesians chapter 2, if you go back and look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul says, and he says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles were in the flesh. And he goes on in verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel as the church and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But I love this in verse 13, but now. It's another big but right there. But now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been made, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that. The but's not even as important as the now. Now. Maybe you came in here this morning and you're far from God, separated from Him, separated from the covenant of promise. Maybe you're in a place where you've just been coasting and you need to repent. It's not about shame on you. It's about welcome back. It's about changing your perspective. It's about changing those three things on your list. 
Spending more time with your family so that they might know Christ. Spending more time serving in this community, in this place, so that we can reach our city and our world. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're one of those people that has been serving. You're nodding your head because you really are giving everything you have. You're giving your time and your talent and your treasure to you. I want to say thank you. And I want to say don't give up. I know it's hard sometimes. I want to encourage you, but I want to encourage you to pray. Jesus, he said the harvest is white. And the one thing we can do in response to that white harvest, you know what a white harvest means? It means it's full. It means it's bountiful. It says the harvest is white, so pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. So whatever our response needs to be this morning, maybe we need to respond and serve. Maybe we need to respond and pray for those that are serving. Whatever the case may be, I know we have business to do with God this morning, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for the fact that we are not perfect but that we can live a life of purpose. Father, we thank you for the reminder that we need to forget what lies behind. We need to strain for what lies ahead. Father, I pray that you would remind us daily, hour by hour even if we need it, that the same life-changing experience that we have felt at Cross Point Church, we need to want for others at all cost. We need to be willing to do everything it takes so that others may know Christ. There are many who are still enemies of the cross of Christ, but they don't have to stay that way. We can share with them. We can encourage them. We can pray for them. So, Father, I pray that I would be continually be on our heart, that we would go to those that do not know, that we would share with those, that we would pray for them, Father, whatever our response needs to be this morning, I pray that we would love you, that we would follow you, that we would make it our own. Father, we ask and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.